0: amen. Alright, now we'll start the sermon. Uh, so, this morning, I want to talk to you that the title of my message is called, For Christ's Sake. You can say it with whatever kind of inflection you want, but either way, you get the picture. Um, it's not, this is not coming out of frustration, by the way, but um, yeah, hopefully it, it it hits the intended uh, place. Um, so, uh, if we were to look back from the beginning of creation, it would seem that there has always been a desire in humanity to be like God. Essentially, that's what tempted Adam and Eve, is, you know, the, the, the temptation was, if you eat this fruit, you will you'll be like God, you'll be able to see what He sees and, and know what He knows, and so they're like, well, that's, that's a That's a good thing so they did it um and then that's where the fall you know so we're working our way back um now again obviously the end game is is oneness with god but we'll never be god in that way but we will be like god in a sense we'll become we're becoming like jesus in that way but there is something where uh, that that desire to be god is almost inherent in human nature and i would um, hypothesize that the reason that that is, is because we're made in the image of God. So, inherent within God Himself is to be God, because that is the most godly thing for God to desire, is to be God. He is not an egomaniac fighting for this place of ultimate power, it would be unrighteous and unjust and unholy for God to position Himself in any other place apart from being God. So, He is self-evidently God, because He is God. <laughs> so the fact is also then that we are not, and so even though we are made in His image uh, to to reflect His nature, that dynamic of Him being God is, is not for us to grasp. Amen? But as we see, it's reflected in our culture. Everywhere we look, we are bombarded by this uh, encouragement to pursue self-idolatry self-worship it is just all through our culture now we don't have maybe as prominently today idols that would be you know like a temple somewhere uh, or a, a statue somewhere where people would go and worship but we absolutely are rife with idolatry in our culture uh, you know, celebrity, uh, status, all of these things are, are all uh, essentially things that we would worship in order to receive something from. So, when we come into God's kingdom, we see for the first time that it's actually, oh, there's actually only one true God, Uh, it's not me, it's not you, there's this God Yahweh and He is God and He is the one that's to be worshipped above all other things. His desire and His encouragement to us, His command to us, is to have no other gods before Him. He is the only one who is God and to be worshipped as God. And we're to give our all to this God. But because we come as we are into that relationship he doesn't say okay deal with all of your idolatry sort out all of your junk and then you can come into relationship with me so we come in as we are with all of our brokenness and bitterness and dysfunction we come into relationship with god so we bring all of our old ways of believing and behaving into that relationship with the father we come as we are and that's a beautiful wonderful gift Uh, we're not supposed to stay as we are um, because we're we are also then given the grace and the power of the holy spirit to become more like jesus but the reality is we just have to acknowledge i come into this with every part of my old life there now the power of sin is broken my old nature has been crucified with christ i've been given a new nature but the fact is that my belief systems and my behavior processes are often the same yeah, has anyone had that experience? It's just me, awesome. So, uh, I'll, uh, I'll just, <laughs> great word Brad, yes, amen, I, I hear you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so, there is a great danger then that when we come into relationship with God, um, that we worship God in the same way that, we, that someone may have worshipped an idol or even to worship God, to give our all to God because of some personal benefit that we gain in return. That there's some sort of exchange, so, well, I'll come in, yes, Lord, I'll worship you because of of what I receive back from you. Not because you are worthy of worship, so regardless of any exchange happening, I'm going to, well, you're worthy of worship, so I'll give all of my worship to you. That if we come in with a mentality a form of worship that's idolatrous then it'll be like well yes of course i'll bow down before you because i know that i'll get back from you something that is of benefit to me which is idol worship that's the form of worship that's what people would do you know back in kind of jesus day and before when you read through the old testament they would come and they would worship the god of fertility so that their soil would be fertile to get a good crop so they can feed their families You know, they'd worship the God, you know, rain and sun and all of these different gods that they created was essentially for their own personal benefit. And it's like, don't annoy the gods because then we won't have food to eat. You know, do sacrifice this animal so that the gods will be happy and then we'll get what we want in return. So ultimately, in that form of worship, we we worship for the benefit of what we get or to avoid the punishment of what we would get if we didn't worship him so again sometimes that's how the the you know the good news of the kingdom is shared is the good news is if you don't you will burn in hell good news so you know so I'm like well, okay well I, I want to avoid that I want to avoid hell and oh, the idea of living forever sounds nice I'm in. When you think about it, that's kind of sometimes how the gospel is proclaimed to people. So we come even into, the way that we come into the kingdom is because I'm avoiding the bad in order to receive some good. Now the person of Jesus and the worship of God and all of those things are kind of secondary. You learn that as you go along. But I wonder if sometimes that becomes detrimental in the initiation of our journey with God. Because we're, like, we're coming in in order to get something, which is kind of a little bit idolatrous. It's like, what's in it for me? And we also present Jesus in a way of, like, you need to do it because there's something in it for you. Now, absolutely, there is something in it for you. Absolutely, there is so much in it for you. And Jesus would say, you know, come to me and you'll receive life, life in abundance. There is absolutely something you receive, but I can go into it without an expectation of receiving and then receive everything that is there for me. But God gets what He deserves and I get what He desires to give me. So when we come out of idol worship to worship God, we need to change not just who we are worshiping, but how we are worshiping. We, God cannot be worshipped like an idol, but I wonder sometimes if that's kind of what we do. Even I'm, when I say worship, I mean heart-engaged love towards God, not corporate singing time, but even in that can sometimes be the manifestation of our heart. Is I come in, I'm like, mm, I'm just not feeling it today. Um, mm, I don't really like those songs today. Uh, i don't you know i'm just in a i'm just in a bit of a hard place today and so essentially i determine his worth based upon how i feel but i'm like but i'll but i'll worship you because then hopefully i'll feel better about myself or i'll worship you because then maybe that will be the thing that will give me the breakthrough that i desire so I think so. I'm coming in with this expectation of exchange, not coming in with just the, the reality of well, you are who you are, regardless of who I am and how I am. So I will give you what you deserve because you're worthy of receiving that, regardless of whether the star. I mean, I, I, I. The reality is I struggle with, it. and I'm not saying we should just have you know, crappy music and you know all of that sort of stuff. It's it's like it's it's okay to not you know, for things to not be out of tune or or whatever but if that's the determining factor as to whether or not I engage with God, oh there's something like seriously messed up in my thinking that I'm coming in to go, can I worship you in this place? Now again, if you've got a place and there's craziness going in the atmosphere, you can get distracted from that but He is always deserving of our worship. But I think sometimes we come in and go, what's the benefit going to be? If I give a sacrifice of praise is it going to be worth it? Ah uh, yeah you' were singing about it so that just light a flame so oftentimes we not oftentimes sometimes maybe never for you I'm not trying to condemn you or convict you outside of Holy Spirit but I think there are times when we pursue God because we need something. We pray when we need answers. We fast when we need breakthrough. We get prayer ministry when we're feeling stuck. We seek Him out of desperation for what He can give us, not out of desire for who He is. Now again, you should pray for answers, absolutely, because He's got the answers. You should fast for breakthrough because absolutely there is those links that are that are in there absolutely you should get some prayer ministry a facilitated encounter with jesus when you're feeling stuck or you've got a wound but if that's the only reason why we're coming to god then there's something it's like actually i'm only coming in order to get i'm not coming primarily with this heart to give and to pour out because he is just deserving of my love and I desire to give it to him that you know there's that scripture that um where it talks about the the disciples fasting I think we, we we're chatting about it this week and you know it's like that the, the time will come it's like well don't fast when the bridegroom's with you but the time will come when you will fast uh, when, the, when the bridegroom is gone. But it's, and so there's this question of like, well, then what's the, the point of, of fasting? Well, some of the point of fasting is like, now Jesus is gone, so I want to fast in order to be near Him. Not because I need something from Him, it's because I need Him and I want Him and I desire Him. So I'm not going to fast just for breakthrough, I'm going to fast for intimacy and just to be, because I know when I strip away some of those fleshly desires, it opens me more to engage and encounter Jesus Himself. I wonder when was the last time that we spent time with God just for the sake of spending time with Him. This is something I'm learning. It's like, He doesn't, he doesn't want me necessarily to come in and pray and give Him the list and to intercede. He just loves that I would come there and just be, I'm just here with you. Just to be. And it kind of seems like, it seems ineffective if my expectation is on the outcome of him doing something on my behalf. So, like, okay, well, I'll, I'll give you some of my time, Lord, and then I expect that you will go to work on my behalf. There we go. There's the exchange. Idle Jesus. Rather than just like, I, I desire to be with you, so I'm going to give my time just to be with you. And I don't know what the outcome will be but I what I do know is one outcome will be is that I will be with you that's the goal what's the goal of prayer conversation just quality time with the Lord you know when was the last time that we cost ourselves for God with the expectation of no benefit to ourselves Can you see how it's kind of hardwired in our, in our nature and perspective on life is to, is to do that, to, to cost in exchange, cost in exchange. But God is the one person that you, you can't do that with. But now the expectation is, again, that He is a good Father and He gives good gifts to His children. He absolutely does. I know when I spend time with Him without any expectation, sometimes it seems like, like, really, Lord? Surely you want me to do something. Like, can I do a dance for you? like can i sing a song for you like surely no you just want to be be with me like surely there's more i could could pray in tongues though like i can do something to perform for you so that you know we can get this thing he's like no just to just to be now, again, I'm not saying that every time that we're with the Lord that it's just okay, like I just sit. Sometimes it is to pray or to intercede or to hear and those sorts of things. But if my primary desire is that I'm going to come before you to be with you, it's been a shift for me, even I think as we've, you know, we're doing this kind of prayer room thing and, and all that sort of stuff. Like sometimes you'll just worship the whole time, but it's kind of like, but. Like, so, but where's the, the prayer and the intercession and the you know, tearing down strongholds kind of stuff? It's like, well, that, that, that happens and that comes, but, but is he satisfied with me just being with him? And I, I absolutely believe that he is. I'm not working for him. I'm not performing for him. Uh, On Wednesday, and I know Rachel put it up on our page, but um, my my experience, I was laying on the floor here and I just laid back and I just saw angels being sent out from this place, angels being put to flight. And it's like, as you rest, angels are put to work. I'm like, well, that's good. Like, awesome. Awesome. But you see how so much more is accomplished in that way because I'm just resting with the Lord. and He's like, watch me it out angels across the... I don't know where they were going. <laughs> I, didn't, I wasn't going to follow them. So. But that's, you know, like if we can get to that place where... Not that that's the all-the-time reality, but that's the starting point. It's like my, my first point is, well, why would I pray? Because this is time together. I think sometimes if if we have this perspective then a lot of what we do in our journey with god uh, gets defiled by the motivation behind why we're doing it and we can say that we're doing things for god but ultimately really i'm doing something for myself and it gets exposed then when i'm not in the place of needing god needing god in terms of where i'm aware of my need for god you need God all the time, more than you realize, you know, but but I don't have a felt need for Him. And sometimes that can be because I don't have a felt need in my flesh. I've got a full belly. I've got a loving family. I've got a nice car. I've got a roof over my head. Things are going well for me. I've got a good job. My friendship is going well. I'm like, life is good at the moment. And does that sometimes then trigger them to like, oh, well, so I don't feel like I need God as much right now because maybe in my warped perspective, I only needed God for what He could give to me. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, it'll pop up on the screen, I think. It says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, Do all to the glory of God. Everything that you do, everything that you do, is to be done all to the glory of God. And this is the way of the kingdom that when we come out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light that is this whole relationship shifts and as god becomes god then everything that i do is for his glory it is always for the other the way of the kingdom is to live for someone else and not for ourself now again i wasn't taught this when i became a christian i was given all of the benefits of the kingdom. I didn't read the fine print. (laughs) But I want to tell you, if you read through the Gospels and you look at the way that Jesus invited people to follow him, it wasn't, here's all the benefits. And there's a few little things you have to do there. It was like, here's all the costs. Be very careful that you weigh up all of the costs before you choose to follow me. We, we swing wide open the door of Christianity to people saying, just come one, come all, and absolutely the gospel is a call for, for one and all to come. That's God's desire, one and all to come, but it's like you've got to understand what it's going to cost. People turn their back on God because all of a sudden it starts to cost me. I'm like, oh, I didn't sign up for that. That's because maybe someone didn't give you the full picture when they invited you to come. The way of the kingdom is to live for Christ's sake and not our own. Romans 11.36 says, "From, From Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. From Jesus through Jesus and back to Jesus are all things that's the way of the kingdom and as it comes from God through Jesus and then back to God now I get to you know enjoy that process of his glory coming through but it's never mine so just in case you haven't realized Christianity is all about Jesus it's not actually about you God loves you, but he'll never worship you. You'll never be his God. But I just want to tell you, and this is not a condemnation on you in any way um, because I'm speaking to me as well, but I, I do think sometimes that we, we just we treat him in the same way that we would treat everything else in life and yet he can't be treated in the same way. so then we kind of get kind of fooled into this pattern of like oh, I'm loving God. I gave him a bit of time here, did a bit of prayer there, read a bit of Bible there, came along to the prayer room for a bit there. Like I'm doing my things for God. Like I'm just keeping, I'm keeping you happy, Lord. Like what, what more do you want from me? <laughs> like I've got to go to a job, you know, and you know, I, like I've just got stuff to do. But see, my my heart isn't captivated by this reality that. But every you deserve all glory, and you desire me, so. I'm going to live in a way that reflects that value set. Feel free to make noise if you need us to break the awkward silence. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. It says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility count others more significant than yourselves let each of you look not only to his own interests but also to the interests of others so it says do nothing from selfish which is the the, so the understanding of that is concerned chiefly with one's own personal profit or pleasure at the expense or consideration of others that's what selfishness looks like, where I'm concerned chiefly with my own personal profit or pleasure at the expense or consideration of others. And ambition means a strong desire to do or achieve something. So when I put selfish ambition together, it means that I have a strong desire to achieve personal profit or pleasure at the expense and consideration of others. Me first. And i want to tell you in idol worship even though even though people would worship idols ultimately it's positioning themselves in that place of idolatry humanity is the greatest idol of humanity the idol of self the worship of self and the word conceit means excessive pride in oneself but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. So, that's to be of the opinion that others are actually more valuable than you. So, in the kingdom, if we've got three kind of relationships, God, ourselves, and others, God puts an order here. And He says, it's me, and then it's others, and then it's you, in order of importance. love others. Yep, Selah. Now, in isolation, that's a really scary concept. Isn't it? If, if I'm in isolation, if I'm on my own, then it's like, so who's going to look after m- me? Does that mean I've got to look after myself? Well, I know, I had to deal with that. That was a, 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 a a womb wound for me that, I, that came out in prayer ministry is that I just, I came into this agreement that I've got to look after myself. So, selfish ambition got hardwired into my perspective literally before I was even born. Now, it didn't mean I wasn't able to be generous, it was, but, but when it boiled down to it, if it was a choice between me and you, I won every time. I don't know anyone. I know people that I've journeyed with, and it's that same thing. It's this protective function. It's like, but if I don't look after me, who's going to look after me? But the fact is, in community, in in the corporate reality of life and the world and the church, that if I'm for you, if I'm for God and for you, and then you're for God and for me, guess what? I'm, I'm loved, I'm satisfied, my needs are met because they're met corporately but God's designed it that way so I don't lack because God's positioned me in that place that I get to receive from those who are doing the same thing that I'm doing. So it flows and it works. Now again the Father is giving to me so I'm saying you first and God's saying and I'm going to give to you my child, I'm going to pour into you So I've got, I'm surrounded by people who pour into me. I'm loved by the king who has every resource available pouring into me. All of a sudden it's like, okay, so there's not a need for this selfish ambition or desire to protect self because I'm loved and protected. Now I want to tell you, if if that's a wound for you, you, you've got to deal with that root issue before you can freely step into that place. But that's what I'm experiencing in life. It took me 36 years to know that that was a reality for me and then to come out of that practice but and like honestly for me it used to come down to little ways like when we when i travel somewhere i would overpack because my concern is what if i get to this place and i don't have what i need because i was so concerned about having to meet my own needs now we went away last week just for a few nights over the east coast lisa and i and i'm driving to the airport at like five o'clock in the morning and i said to lisa i said I used to be super nervous about making sure I have everything, so so I won't be in lack when I'm in a different place. Now I get a little bit concerned that I'm so not worried about it that I'm going to rock up and like, oh, I didn't bring shoes, um, you know, like. So I've I kind of swung to the other way, but but I see how that sort of stuff plays out in in my life. So we can often find motivation to do hard things by focusing on the benefit that we may receive. Even our pursuit of healing and breakthrough can be motivated by many things. So say, yeah, I want healing and breakthrough because I'm, you know, I'm pursuing righteousness. Or maybe it's because I've, I'm just steeped in shame or I live in anxiety or I feel constantly uh, oppressed in my life. So I'm going to pursue healing and breakthrough from the Lord. It's all the Holy Spirit doing the work. But it can be even that can come out of a selfish motivation a place of selfish ambition. But if my motivation is purely selfish, then the end game is selfish. The breakthrough then stops with me. The reward of our breakthrough is more of Jesus, not less of brokenness. The fruit of your breakthrough is more of Jesus, not less of your brokenness. That's what you get. The more freer you become, the more freer you are to love Him. Because he says, love me as the, as the greatest thing you can do is to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind and strength. Every part of your being, your energy, your desire, every part of you can love on him. But when we come into the kingdom, we're not free to give every part to him. Because we've given parts away, parts are dead, parts are shut down, parts are locked away, parts are distorted and deceived. So we're doing this healing thing because it's like, look Jesus, I've got more to give to you now. And not just that, I've got more to give away to other people. So if I'm just going, I just, I just want this because I just want the anxiety gone, then I come out of anxiety, I'm like, ah, cool. Now I just get to continue to live the same selfish life that I lived before. But I feel better about myself. To love like Jesus is to love without awareness of personal benefit or gain. Acts 20:35 says, "In all things we have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of our Lord Jesus, how He himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive." Now I know we tell ourselves that when we're giving something away that's really valuable to us, or we're not getting back anything We say, well, I guess it's more blessed to give than to receive. I'm just going to keep telling myself that it'll sink in eventually. But when you read things like that which are like counter to what our reality because like uh well i hear what you're saying jesus but i'm pretty sure i like getting stuff more than i like giving stuff away yeah and is it just me again just me it's okay you don't have to put your hand up i like getting stuff if, if someone has a choice between, you know, if, if there was like, hey, there's a Maserati here, Brad, would you like it or would you like to give it to someone else? It's like, I would like it. <laughs> Maserati. <laughs> but see, there's a kingdom principle clearly in that. So if Jesus says it, it's like, well, that doesn't make sense in my mind or in my experience but that is a kingdom principle that must have life contained within it and that blessing is attached to my ability to freely give away more than to hoard for myself so again but as, as we get down and we and we resolve these errors in our hearts and we and we start to have a heart that reflects the heart of god that we go wow i get to experience the blessing of giving I get to experience that. Now, again, what happens in community, in relationship with the Father, everyone's carrying that same perspective. So everyone's giving. Everyone's giving. Everyone's giving, which means everyone's receiving and receiving and receiving. They're not hoarding for themselves, but they're freely giving away, and yet everyone is receiving that blessing of that. Amen? So a question would be, in what ways... Is your internal heart healing and freedom having a positive impact on those around you? On your friends, your family, your colleagues, your community? So how is your healing and breakthrough freeing you up to love the Lord better and to love those around you better? Or is it just kind of something that's like, I just want to be free for me? the work of jesus in you is not giving glory to god and positively impacting those around you then you've missed the point of what he is doing in you your healing and breakthrough is important to god but it is always unto something god loves you you are his child and he wants the best for you but he didn't create you in isolation So what he knows is but the work that i'm going to do in you is going to be a blessing to others and it's going to give glory to me so does god care about your breakthrough absolutely he does does he want you to be free absolutely he does but does he want more than just your freedom absolutely he does the fruit of your freedom should be more than just that you're more free And this is the reality that your life is intercession so well i'm not an intercessor well if you are walking with the holy spirit your whole entire life becomes an act of intercession now i know people that it's some is more significant in terms of god will lead them into things and use them in ways that, that bring breakthrough, like they'll carry and they'll birth breakthrough for other people. Um, and so that sometimes, you know, we see in our personal life or in our breakthrough journey, God does a work in us as, a, as an act of intercession that, you know, I guess kind of like carries a baby and births it on behalf of others. We become a surrogate for other people's breakthrough. Now, again, I don't believe that God makes people sick in order that someone, you know, that he can receive the glory of their healing or that he'll, you know, put you in bondage so you can fight for your freedom, then come out with keys on the other side for other people to get set free. Okay, but he uses all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So absolutely, when you are in sickness and and the Lord heals you and he gets the glory, that's a good thing. He's used the sickness for his glory. When you, uh, uh, you know, journey through and, and achieve breakthrough in an area in your life and you learn kingdom keys and principles and you come away with a greater authority for that breakthrough that you can then release to other people, absolutely God did not cause the bondage but He absolutely was in the midst of your breakthrough in order that you can help other people walk through and into that same breakthrough. To not have to do the journey that you did. Now, it's not so then everyone can just rock up and go, I don't have to do any journey because I'll just take every other person's breakthrough. Um, It'll still cost you and there'll still be work and there'll be something for you. But your whole life becomes this thing of like, if I, uh, it's like, you know, planting a garden and then just eating all the fruit that comes from the garden, but realizing actually there's more to it, that if I planted a garden and I and I did it well, that there'd be more fruit than I, what I can, that is just for me, that I get to give away and be a blessing and plant seeds, you know. It's so the fruit of your breakthrough should plant an orchard. <laughs> Not just produce a bit of fruit, but it becomes an orchard that you get to give away and then is planted in other people's lives and then brings breakthrough for them and healing for them. That's why, and this is, part of having an apostolic mindset which we all have because we're all made in the image of God and he is an apostolic God he is a missional sent God so you are all apostolic whether you like it or not because you're supposed to be like Jesus you know I thought I was a prophetic you are but you're also apostolic because God is so uh, get used to it but this is part of this mentality that says well it's not just I don't just live for me I live for the more that God is doing out there And in any way that he uses me, it is for that greater measure of breakthrough for those around us. So for us, when we we run prayer ministry training through a larger house, now that's not just so that you guys can all get breakthrough and freedom so that you know the church is less kind of messy and frustrating. Because I've discovered it doesn't work. Uh, Prayer ministry works, it just doesn't make the journey any easier. It's actually significantly harder but the fruit is much more significant to, to do the heart journey is way harder way more costly but the fruit is way more amazing way more beautiful way more significant and not just for you but for everybody else so we say well we don't just want to oh, okay so i guess we could just have we could just have martin and Teresa. cool we've we've trained two prime ministers there you go here's a whole bunch of people, they'll just line up at your door and you can just do the prayer ministry for them, you know, that's it. But it's like, no, we want everyone to carry that and it doesn't mean that every single person becomes a prayer minister but every single person is equipped with those understandings of the way the heart works, how we respond to life and they get to carry that blessing and anointing into, like you can bless the people in your workplace based upon principali- principles not principalities oh that's very don't. don't bless people with principalities um especially not your boss i know you might be that's you know comes in oh. um no no uh but you can bless them with the principles of heart ministry because you get to understand those things. I've journeyed with people and, and they weren't awakened to that, but they're, they're sharing with me a business-related issue, a relational issue, and you get to share heart ministry principles because that's where life comes from. That's where the issues arise from. It's heart stuff. You know, you could be, you could be in a mechanics workshop and you could minister to a, to a person that you may, might think in the natural has, wants nothing to do with heart and emotion and all of these sorts of things and yet you can bless them and speak to them in a way and awaken things and connect not by being all like not by being kind of yeah and like and not recognizing that that person has a particular culture and uh, you know like I have I have embraced like hardened criminals and had them ball their eyes out in my arms people who have spent years and years and years of their life in prison. But you talk to them about heart stuff, you get connected in that way and bang, it opens up Under this one guy and he would talk to me. He's like, I never wanted to be that hard, but I felt like I had to be. That was his survival mechanism. And that was, he had a nickname that represented that, you know. But to, but to get below the surface of people, you're just hurting wounded people. But that's the gift that we have to give away. Romans 8 31 says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Is God for you? Yes. Say, God is for me. That God will give me all the things that I need. Amen. God is for you. Now the question is, are you for God? Or are you also for you? So that works. God's for me. I'm for me. Double portion blessing. (laughs) That's it. You know what? Relationships work best when we're for each other. You either get two in relationship, you get two super selfish people. And they kind of work because they both just grab for their own things, meet their own needs and do all that sort of stuff. It doesn't make for much of a relationship. But when both people are in there for each other, all of a sudden it's all my needs are getting met and all your needs are getting met because we are more concerned for the other than even for ourselves. But that's our relationship with the Father. God is for me and I am for God. That's a good relationship. And yet He is needing nothing from me, but desiring everything from me. God doesn't need your worship, but He desires your worship. He doesn't need your love. He is not insecure. He's not lacking in any way. In the Godhead, the triune Godhead, there is perfect relationship. All their needs being met in that. They did not need to create humanity, yet they desired to. So your healing and breakthrough is for you. God cares about you, but it's always unto something. It's under His glory. So the more f- it means that the more free we are to worship Him with all that we are, as I said before. You're more free to serve God with all that you are. The freer I am, the more free I am to love. The more free I am to worship Him. The more free I am to serve Him. And it is also for the benefit of others. There's an authority that comes when we receive the breakthrough that we have fought for. There is. It's just when you, when you do that journey, when you come to the end of a season and you have fought well with the Lord and He has brought that breakthrough, there is just a reality of the authority that you carry because you've won a battle. You have victory in that area and there is just something spiritually then that you have an anointing and an authority to help others journey through that quicker and easier and be and have that breakthrough so if our motivation for healing and breakthrough is for our sake alone then we rob god of the glory he deserves if we only come to God out of desperation and not desire, so desperation for our healing, not desire for intimacy with Him, then our breakthrough can be worse than our bondage. So that work? Did he just say what I think he said? If we only come to God out of desperation and not desire, then our breakthrough can be worse than our bondage. One of the dangers of healing for my sake, is self-sufficiency and self-reliance. We receive healing and breakthrough, but we lose intimacy because we were only after the gift and not the giver. It's like you're actually, you're better off in your bondage because then you were desperate for me and now you've come through and it's like I'm free and that, that desperation and desire diminishes because I don't need him anymore because the only reason I came is because I had need for me not desire for Him. That's a horrible reality to come and to to grasp. People come into church community and they have needs. All of a sudden they get ministered to, they get freedom, they get healing, they say, oh, I don't need this anymore. You know, how hard you pray in times of desperation. Do we carry that prayer all the time? I remember when uh, uh, my my dad had a, a car, went into cardiac arrest, and this uh, so it was a Sunday afternoon. I got home and uh, I was making nachos, and uh, I get a call from my mum. So they were down south in Augusta. They'd done a bike ride, and my dad had taken it super easy on the bike ride, and and you know even walking up steep hills and whatever. And my uncle had actually he'd finished the ride early, and he'd ridden back and just. Walked with my dad, so it took it really easy, got to the finish line, and um, and they got to this gate, and they're like, oh, actually, you need to go up and touch the lighthouse to finish the race, and when he went to take off, he, his heart just stopped, and uh, dropped down onto the floor, no pulse, no no breathing, no, no anything like that. So my aunt and uncle were there, they started CPR straight away, and my mum called me, so probably a minute or two in, and she just called, she's like, uh, your dad's, he's, his heart stopped, can't get a pulse, um, can you call your brothers and pray <laughs> and so i was like mm. so i hung up the phone so i the first thing i thought is i need i need some more prayer. so i think i called amy and I said can you get everyone praying and then i dropped to my knees and i cried out to god in a way that i've never cried out to god in desperation declaring life like bawling my eyes out like this is like i never prayed like like in that moment um and then a few minutes later i get the call and that got a pulse and, uh, and the breathing started, so there were, there were people that happened to be there, like an ambulance officer and a doctor. A defibrillator unit had, had two weeks before been delivered to the lighthouse that they were able to put on. He'd spent, spent 10 minutes without, um, without a pulse. And, uh, and then the whole story was he went to hospital, 24 hours of intubation. Um, and then, but then, like, on the Tuesday, I rocked up, and he's sitting up in his chair, in the wheelchair the next thing eating it he was out of hospital by Thursday every part of the journey was absolutely miraculous and like life like he was my dad was dead and I prayed and he came back to life now I don't, I'm not putting all that stock in my prayers but I want to tell you that if my prayers were going to make a difference it was those prayers that would have made like <laughs> you know like if God was in a meeting with the angels like, hold on a second Some, I, I'm trying to listen to you guys but I just can't brad joss is screaming in my ear i just got to take this call sorry guys and uh but you know then so it's this thing of like there's this precious reality that i don't want to lose and i'll pray in a way but but then i come away from that going but where's my desperation where's my desperation for and again, not just that, oh, well, I should love the lost more than I'd pray for them all. Where's my desperation for his desires? Not even like, okay, well, I've got, oh, that's right, my, you know, I've got an uncle who doesn't know Jesus, or I've got, you know, my, my, my child's got a, a disability, or, you know, something that's then connected to my heart that I could then, oh, yes, well, I guess I could be really passionate about praying for that. What about the things that aren't connected to my heart that are connected to his heart? that I'd have a desire for the things that He has a desire, that he, is that, that he is that passionate about in the way that I was passionate about my dad coming back to life, the same way that God is passionate about things that are happening in the nations, that I'd pick up His desire and pray in that kind of way. I know you'll probably see sometimes people praying and crying out and, uh, you know, especially used to. But you know, you might go like, oh, that's kind of not, me, I want to tell you, that's, I know Rachel, that's not Rachel. Like, we're not just having meetings and then she just starts, like, bursting out and screaming, you know, crying, but there's, when intercession comes upon you, you start to pick up the desires of the heart of God, and it overwhelms you and overtakes you, and you behave in ways you would never normally behave. We walk around screaming things out, but you feel to scream it out, because God's screaming something out. We need to desire the giver and not the gift is all right should i carry on all right so question is well what if my brokenness and bondage doesn't affect me you know well i didn't grow up with trauma i'm i'm not highly dysfunctional um i do like to say that there's two types of people in the world there's um highly there's highly dysfunctional broken people and then there's highly functional broken people you're fit into one of those categories. But maybe you say, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a good person in general. Like, you know, I go to work and I provide for my family and I, you know, love my kids and all that sort of stuff. Well, the, the fact is you may not be aware of the impact that that lack of awareness is having on you. Just because you have learned to manage your brokenness doesn't mean you've mastered it and you're free from it. So therefore, you can be living under something and being robbed of fullness, fullness of life. For yourself god does not desire that for you you also may not be aware of the impact that your brokenness is having on other people this is what denial does it shuts us down not just to the impact that our sin is having on us but also to the impact that it's having on other people it robs others of our fullness and sometimes hurts people in a way that we're not even aware we are made in the image of god so therefore we are made corporate we're connected to one another we affect each other relationally and we impact the spiritual atmosphere around us so you can say oh well i'm just i just i just kind of keep my sin private and then it won't affect anyone in public doesn't work that way because you carry a spiritual atmosphere i want you to know every time on a Sunday morning when we get together and we pray, we're not just praying, we're praying for the people that come in because we carry stuff that we might not even be aware that we're carrying that disrupts the atmosphere. And that's not because then, oh, it's not going to make the worship time as good. It's like God won't get what He deserves because people are stuck underneath that. And that is the reality that we then diminish the glory of God in us and through us. We're called to go from glory to glory as we are transformed or transfigured into the likeness of Jesus. This is in 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, And we all with unveiled face, so with a veil removed, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the other, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It's only when the veil is removed that we get to reflect His face. So you can live veiled and and kind of you might be okay. Well, I've just learned to manage it. God's not in the management business. He's in the breakthrough business. It's not good for you. It's not good for others. And it's not good for God. So that's three really good reasons to pursue breakthrough and healing. And it's not don't be ashamed of your, your brokenness. You don't need to hide your brokenness. I can uh, I can give you a long list of mine healed and unhealed you know it's like it's just it's this is the thing it's like well sin doesn't become this thing oh this hidden disgusting dirty thing it's like you know there's some stuff that I don't want in my life because it's it's robbing me and it's robbing the people around me and it's robbing the Lord of his glory So i put all of my sin in that basket and say so therefore i do not want it it doesn't belong to me it's not my inheritance so i'm going to pursue getting rid of it and this is the reality we're called to pursue righteousness not just avoid unrighteousness guilt and shame can be good motivators for us to avoid sin but they'll never motivate us to pursue righteousness guilt and shame produce avoidance not pursuit so this is the thing it's like you've been made righteous in christ now go and pursue righteousness that means fight hard go after more of the fullness of the nature of jesus in you One corinthians 3 9. this mic is like whoom, whoom. hello Hey? Hey? oh, He? Ah, uh, sounds better. No? Maybe I'll stop making that noise. I'll change the tone of my voice. Okay. Um, mm. So it says second Corinthians 3 9. For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. So saying there was glory in the ministry of condemnation. There was glory in that this is when you know it comes out of talking about Moses you know coming down from the mountain and him glowing with the glory of God so it says "Then the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it so this is the question is to say well you know getting prayer ministry and doing the hard journey and all that sort of stuff was like well what if I don't feel broken it's not about your brokenness and whether you it's going to make you feel better it's the ministry of righteousness that Jesus is doing. And he's like, no, but you're not fully righteous. So the work is not done. Don't even, just don't go looking for it. Oh, well, I guess, you know, when something is so toxic and chaotic in my life, I suppose I better, you know, been convicted or whatever. It's like, no, no, I'm going to go hard after it any little bit because any little bit is going to affect him and me and other people. But that is the ministry of righteousness if you say, oh, you know, I'm not in a ministry. Yes, you are. You're part of the ministry of righteousness that God is doing, the Holy Spirit is doing to make you more righteous. It's a joyous and glorious thing. We do, we can get so kind of bogged down. And sometimes, even there's that accusation it's like, well, this heart ministry stuff, it makes kind of people navel gazes. Only if you're looking at your navel. Like, look at Jesus. That's, for me, I'm not looking at myself. I'm looking, oh, I'm just so rubbish and so crap. Oh, I'm going to get some prayer mission. I'm looking at Jesus saying, you're so glorious. I desire more of you, Lord. So do in me what needs to be done in order that I can have more of you. Because that's the outcome. It's not to make people feel bad. Now, the reality is your brokenness will affect your relationships. And that's not good. So it's not loving. It's not loving God and loving others to have brokenness that's impacting people. So we, we deal with that and we and we confront people because it's like hey you might not realize this is a play in your life and we love you and we know you want to follow jesus it's like, here's here's the thing like it's 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 pretty simple so he says hmm. you know a so, question do we enjoy god in the mundane of life and not just the spectacular oftentimes our journey with Jesus can be pretty normal but that's where a choice to pursue him has such great value I'm not pursuing when he's confronting me with my bad or he's drawing me in with the spectacular of his good but I'm just saying no no I'm I'm on a path of pursuit I'm just on the pathway of pursuit more of Jesus more of Jesus why did I come to the prayer room because I'm on the pathway of pursuit why do I live in, in close community? Because I'm on the pathway of pursuit. Like, Why I get prayer ministry, I'm on the pathway of pursuit. Like, yeah. that's just what I'm doing. Like, I'm having prayer ministry, I think maybe this week, next week, sometime. So, we do Skype uh, over with uh, people in the US. And, but I'm like, I, don't, I don't feel like this broken, toxic, chaotic kind of person. But I know there's more that God has for me, and there's more of me that I have for God so that's what I'm doing I'm not I don't, I don't live in shame or embarrassment but I'm like no, no this, this is this is not because it's sin it's because of what it's robbing myself and my family and my friends and my relationships and my church and my Lord of yeah. if there's robbery happening I want to shut the doors I don't just sit back and go oh, I hope the robbers don't rock up I came out to my car this morning and I noticed the door was unlocked I'm like oh man and nothing was stolen, which is amazing because you know you know where I live. Like, but it's you know that's the thing. But I'm not going to go. Oh well, I guess nothing got stolen, and well, maybe maybe it'll be alright. It doesn't mean that I'm going to go leave my door open every single night now, because you know it's like well no that would be dumb. <sighs> Do you long for Jesus even when you feel like you don't need Jesus? when we live for Christ's sake our priorities shift it becomes him first and not me first it's about what makes him comfortable not what makes me comfortable it's about what he desires over what I desire it's about seeking his glory and not my own so then we work for Christ's sake well I do a good job because it's for Christ's sake it's for his glory we're obedient for Christ's sake. We're being sanctified for Christ's sake. We're loving God for Christ's sake. We're loving other people for Christ's sake. We're praying for Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. <laughs> it's just a little intonation. Is that what it's called? You know, we wor- why do we worship? Not because it makes you feel good. You worship for Christ's sake. And if worship makes you uncomfortable, then worship yourselves into the arms of the comforter. not worship yourself, worship yourself as an action. It's like, oh, this makes me uncomfortable. Then go find Him in that place, because He's a comforter. I love what Francis Chan says. He's like, you know, the reason that God gave us a comforter is because the life of following Jesus is probably going to be uncomfortable at times. So, what is our breakthrough unto? Our healing, freedom, and breakthrough should have three outcomes. And I I, I used to hear John Piper talk about this all the time, but it says it's God's glory, our joy, and the benefit of others. Everything we do in life is for God's glory, for our joy, for the benefit of others. This is how we live. God's glory, our joy, the benefit of others. So God's glory. You can't give away something that is in bondage. The more free i am the more i can freely give myself to god amen so i'm not just free so i can be free i'm free for christ's sake god desires all of us but do we desire to give the best possible version of ourselves to him you know in marriage when you're in in covenant you're you're in covenant Uh, it you know the covenant doesn't get nullified if you you know put on a bit of weight or you spend a few too many hours watching tv or you dump your dirty clothes on the floor it doesn't doesn't nullify the covenant there are things that nullify covenant but those things it's like ah like not a big deal they don't nullify the covenant do they no but they don't produce a glorious and life-filled marriage that both people enjoy it's the same with the lord so God, i'm not like I'm not like robbing people, I'm not a murderer. Like, you know, yeah, but, but you don't desire to be with me. He, he's not enjoying that. It doesn't make for a beautiful marriage, and that's where you enter into with the Lord. Your bondage may not nullify the covenant to God, but it does not make for a good marriage. So the first thing is our breakthrough is for God's glory. It's for our joy. Healing and breakthrough releases more joy in your life. I'm not talking about happiness joy deep joy the journey of heart healing can be hard and painful but it will produce good fruit which is the fruit of the spirit because a good tree bears good fruit so like well I'm going to make myself a good tree no I'm not going to make me Holy Spirit is you know what I'm saying the more free you are the more free Holy Spirit is to be dominant in your experience of life And then the third is other people benefit our healing and breakthrough will impact those around you for starters you you might just be less of a jerk that's good (laughs) that's that's you know i appreciate that my wife appreciates that but you'll also then receive those keys to bring freedom and breakthrough to other people as well and that's a glorious and joyous thing so at the end of the day we need to learn to die well. Luke 9, 23, Jesus said, if anyone would come after after me, let him deny himself. Deny who? Oh, good, just the man, or herself, and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man or a person if they gain the whole world and they lose it, lose or forfeit themselves? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of his holy angels. In Romans 12.1, I appeal to you therefore by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Part of the the issue is that those old ways are still alive and active in us, that we're still looking for life in what we can produce within us, rather than looking for life in the One who gives only that resurrection life which produces real life. This, we we do the dying, He does the resurrecting. Yeah, we lay on the altar, He brings us to true life. But it doesn't happen. We can't kind of bypass the altar. We don't. Jesus didn't get to bypass the cross. He endured the cross, despising its shame for the outcome of the resurrection. And that's what we get to taste, but the pathway's still the same. So I actually, I actually have to lay down those old ways of being, those old ways of living, those old ways of behaving, those old ways of believing, these ways that would say that I'm the most important. To say, no, Jesus, you are the most important. I'd wonder if you would pray with me. You stand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. We just thank you, Father, that you desire to give us life that you are for us, Lord. But God, we're not children anymore. You call us to come out of our childish ways of, of only receiving and not giving, Lord. And you're inviting us into the mature way of Christ where we see that actually our job is to give all to you as you have and continue to give all of yourself to us, Lord. So, Father, we just pray that you would help us to learn to die well and to let go of those old ways, Father. And God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would convict our hearts, only you, Holy Spirit, but you would convict our hearts of any areas where we have been operating in the idolatry of self. And I wonder if you would want to pray, you don't have to pray this with me, but I'm going to pray it for myself and you're welcome to join me. We're to say, Father God, I choose to repent for the idolatry of self where I've positioned myself in my heart to be God and to use you for your benefits and not for your glory. Holy Spirit, we pray That you would tear down those old structures those old beliefs those old ways of thinking we bring them to the foot of the cross and we ask that you would resurrect new structures in alignment with your kingdom and your desire and your design Only you can show us this way, Jesus. Only you can show us this way, Lord. We can't figure this out on our own, Lord, because we have been birthed into a world that pursues self-worship, Lord. We've been raised in that world, God. We are bombarded constantly. But we thank you, Jesus, that you are the way and the truth and the life and that you, Holy Spirit, can lead us into this way of life where we get to be free from self-worship in order to fully and freely worship you, God. And we thank you, Lord, that we are in that place alone without need because you meet every one of our needs, God. You meet us in our pain. You meet us in our rejoicing. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would help us to live for Christ's sake. And Father, we choose today to follow you, God, and to live for you, Jesus, for your glory above all things, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, as we pursue you and worship you and love you above all things, Lord, that you get the glory, God, that we get the joy, all the fruit of the Spirit, Lord. But then everyone around us gets the blessing and the benefit of a life fully yielded to you. And I wonder maybe just now, just to spend a minute or two just bringing before the Lord any areas that have come up in your heart where you know there's just some repentance business that you need to do with the Father, for ways that you have acted in, in selfishness or, or pursued yourself above even Him, or maybe where your worship has been tied into self and not into the Lord above all things. Father, forgive us where we have pursued our own pleasure over your pleasure, God. Forgive us for where we have pursued our own desire over your desires, Lord. Forgive us where we have looked unto ourselves, Lord, rather than unto you. Father, I just pray a lifting off of any condemnation, Lord, because this is not a ministry of condemnation. We are under the ministry of righteousness, God. That you are producing good fruit in your children, God. That you are releasing good gifts, because you love us, Lord. Father, I just I just pray lifting off of any guilt or shame, God. Even Father, where if this if your word has has met us in a deep place, God, we thank you, Lord, that you are not here to push us down. You are here to lift us up, Lord. You're showing us new and glorious ways, ways of freedom and life, God. But, Father, if we continue to walk in our own old ways, Lord, we'll never reach that place because you have a pathway for us, Lord, that the old ways cannot direct us towards. We thank you for what you're doing in our hearts, in our lives, in our relationships, in this church and community, Lord. In this region, in this nation, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.